All right. Happy Easter, everybody. Happy Easter to those in our traditions in the chapel and as well as at the Valley Community Center and online. We are so glad that you're here. We're going to get things going today. I want you to participate in this. We're going to have our or game. This is a game where you get to get a choice between a couple of choices. And when the one that you prefer comes up, you scream wildly, you clap, you stomp your feet, you make some noise. All right, you with me? You with me? All right, let's do it. Okay, now the theme of today's or game is which one inspires you or refreshes you more? Which one inspires or refreshes you more? Start with an easy one. Is it more inspiring or refreshing? Do you have a vacation in the mountains or on the beach? Let's hear it for mountains. Let's hear it for beach. All right, which one refreshes, inspires you more? Doing something fun or getting something done, right? Big project gets done. All right, here we go. Let's hear it for doing something fun. Let's hear it for getting something done. All right, which one inspires or refreshes you more? Getting a refund you were not expecting or calling customer service and they actually fix the problem instantly. It's a tough one. Yep. Okay, let's hear for refund. Let's hear for immediate customer service help. All right, next one. Which one inspires, refreshes you more? Finally finding the item you've been looking for forever. Or... When you hear a really catchy song that you love, you know? We are the champions, my friend. Okay, that's enough. All right, let's hear it for finding the item you've looking for forever. Hearing a catchy song. All right, so now let's suppose that you need some help at your house. Like something needs attention at your house. Who are you more inspired, refreshed? arriving, Chip and Joanna, or Chuck Norris. Let's hear for Chip and Joe. Let's hear for Chuck Norris. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In fact, Chuck Norris, I saw this. Chuck Norris doesn't dial the wrong number. You answered the wrong phone, right? And this one, of course, one of my favorites. Chuck Norris was born May 6, 1945. The Nazis surrendered May 7, 1945. Coincidence? I don't think so. No. Last one for today, which refreshes you, inspires you more. Winning your March Madness bracket or being able to show everybody on Easter Sunday your brand new granddaughter. Yes, there she is. We got another. There she is. Our sweet granddaughter born just a week ago. She's doing great. Her name is Louisa. Say hi, Louisa. Let's just watch for a while, shall we? She's the most beautiful thing, and we are so in love. So, wow. Happy Easter to us. We're just thrilled. And mom and... and Dad are doing great too. So guys, that's so refreshing. It's so inspiring. New life. And guys, I want to talk to you about that today. New life. And maybe you feel like every once in a while you need to hit the refresh button on your entire life. Wouldn't that be great? Well, that's what Easter is all about. 
Because from time to time, we need to refresh. We need a whole new vision for our lives. We made it through 2020, 2021. We're into 2022. And you know, in some ways, life doesn't really change. We still have wars and disease and death. We've heard that before. It's happened for centuries. And then we look into culture and all sorts of scandals are happening. Celebrities rising and falling. We got scandals. We got more scandals. We got still more scandals, right? This happens. Leaders of all types disappointing us. Government, industry, finance, business, religion, science, you name it. Disappointment. High-profile athletes, sports stars tanking. We need something now that will refresh us, that will re-energize us. Uh, and you know what? In my book and in this book, there's nothing like a good old-fashioned resurrection just to turn things around. You know what I mean? Uh, you, you, just imagine, 2,000 years ago, you're walking to the graveyard to pay respects to your dearly departed martyred hero Jesus. And lo and behold, he's out walking around, talking to people. I mean, that will turn things around, guys. That'll refresh your vision. That'll make a difference in your life. That'll make your whole day your whole life. You will see your world with new eyes. And with that, you now have a key to unlock God's power and love and hope for a brand new day. And some here, you've never known that power. You've never known the power and the hope of Jesus' resurrection. And for some, maybe you've learned it in the past, but maybe that vision has grown dim and you need a whole new vision for your life. You need to be refreshed today. The truth of Easter can turn things around for us this very day of your life, for all of us. So I ask a question. You need a, a fresh filling of God's Holy Spirit today. Um, somebody asked me a while back, Pastor, do I really need the Holy Spirit to go to heaven? And I said, bro, you need the Holy Spirit to go to Walmart, you know? Um, yeah, you do. Um, I mean, we believe in Jesus and all, but we need a new vision. Even the best of us need a fresh vision of who Jesus really is from time to time. 2,000 years ago, there was a, a man named John. He was an apostle of Jesus, early follower of Jesus. And uh, time had passed. He had actually been exiled on the island of Patmos. Here it is. Uh, because he was sharing the good news of Jesus and, and, and lots of people were coming to know Christ. And this was upsetting, even the emperor. So he said, I'm going to put you away. Banish you to this island where you won't be heard from again. And then we heard from him again for about 2,000 years in the book of Revelation. We're going to continue that today. Turn, if you have it with you, Revelation. And here's the thing, Revelation chapter 1. Um, the apostle John had met Jesus. He had seen his astounding miracles. He had heard all of his amazing teaching. He had been there at the cross with Jesus' mother Mary standing there watching him crucified and dying. He had seen him laid in the tomb. And he had been one of the first eyewitnesses of the resurrection. He outran Peter to the grave, saw the empty tomb, and over 40 days he would see Jesus alive. Many convincing proofs. But you know what? That vision turned him around. But even for the apostle John, he needed a fresh new vision. It had been 60 years since the resurrection. And now he's been banished on the island of Patmos. It's been tough. Life's been hard. 
And Jesus knows that, that, that he wants to give something to John, give him a fresh new vision, and us as well. And so today, we get an opportunity to meet Jesus again. That's really what I want us to do, to meet Jesus again in a fresh new way. Let's look. Pastor Brandon spoke on this last weekend. I want to just refresh your memory of, of the vision that John received on Patmos. It says, uh, John says, Then I turned to see whose voice it was that spoke to me. And when I turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. And among the lampstands was one like the Son of Man. This is the name of the promised Old Testament Messiah, the ruler of the ages prophesied by the prophet Daniel. And picking up on that prophet's description of God himself ruling, he says, the son of man was dressed in a robe with a golden sash wrapped around his chest. He is prophet, he is priest, he is king of all. The hair of his head was white as wool, white as snow, the one from all eternity, wise and and, and pure and glorious beyond imagination. He has eyes like a fiery flame, all seeing, all knowing, all present with us. His feet, it says, were like fine bronze as it is fired in a furnace. Jesus stands on this unshakable foundation of pure, unchanging, and genuine truth, possessing all knowledge and all authority. It says that his voice was like the sound of cascading waters. His mere voice creates a sense of awe and worship and wonder because of its surging power and strength. He had seven stars in his right hand because he is the ruler of the angels. His word is the ultimate uh, measure. It says a sharp double-edged sword came from his mouth. He is the ultimate standard. He is the ultimate judge of everything and everyone. And his face was shining like the sun at full strength. Can you imagine standing there and seeing this? You, you look at the sun for just a few seconds and you have to turn away. You look at it for longer than that and it'll burn your eyes out. Can you imagine now standing face to face with the one who created the sun and his face in full glory? It's just amazing. You talk about lighting up a room. This is the resurrected Jesus. And so baby Jesus of Bethlehem, he's all grown up. Gone is any kind of overly domesticated vision of Jesus that we might have. He, he's, he's, he has almost dangerous feeling, but he's good. He's overpowering this vision. Now some of you are saying, wait a minute. Wait just a minute, Pastor. I thought Jesus was, was the Lamb of God. Yeah, we, we talked about that on Good Friday. He said, I, I thought he was the good shepherd, the, the gentle and lowly Jesus, the king who enters Jerusalem riding on a donkey, the suffering servant on the cross, the crucified savior, the prince of priests, the friend of sinners. Oh yeah, he's all that. He's still all that. But so much more. And that's what Easter's about you see, he was crucified on Good Friday. But on the third day, he was raised again. He is risen just as he said. So John sees this overwhelming, overpowering vision of the resurrected Jesus. And he has this immediate response. And it's a surprise. Here's what he says. When I saw him, I fell at his feet like a dead man. Risen Jesus shows up and you're dead. He's alive, but now you're dead. That's what Easter is all about. Jesus lives, but you die. Happy Easter, everybody. Aren't you glad you came, you know? What is this? In the Bible, 
this is how pretty much everybody reacts when they get a closer glimpse of the greater glory of God. They're overcome. They're unraveled. They're humbled. They're awestruck. And if you and I want a whole new vision for our life, we got to capture this is the real Jesus too. And here's the first principle. He's overpowering. He's overwhelming. And we take him seriously. We say, you really are something amazing. We take him seriously. See, the disciples, they, early on, they got glimpses of his glory. And they heard him teach. And what they thought was, he's, he's a really great rabbi. He's like the greatest preacher we've ever seen or heard. And then he starts doing some stuff. Then he starts having a miraculous catch of fish and every fish in the Sea of Galilee jumps into their nets. And they're like, whoa, 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 whoa. Then he starts walking on the water and they're afraid, they're terrified. They say, who is this? He stills the waters with his word, be still. The storms come to a halt. And they say, who is this guy? Even the winds and the waves obey him. And on and on it goes. He, he heals those who can't walk. He, he gives sight to the blind. He gives hearing to those who cannot hear. He walks on the water. And they're astonished by him. And oh, they're, now they're listening now. And they're taking him seriously. He's no longer a great teacher, just a great teacher, or some kind of religious consultant. He's God. God has come down to us. How did the guards react at Jesus' tomb on the resurrection morning. It says, Matthew's gospel tells us, the guards were so shaken by fear of him that they became like dead men. Dead men. Fortunately, Jesus can also tone it down. He can greet a heartbroken Mary in the garden on Easter morning and call her by name. He can cook breakfast for his closest disciples on the beach after the resurrection. He's a tender warrior. But what I'm saying is maybe I've domesticated Jesus into something less than. Maybe, maybe for some people in our culture, maybe sometimes us, he's kind of buddy Jesus. You seen this? Buddy Jesus, yeah. He recycles and wears skinny jeans and drinks fair trade coffee and has a LaCroix in his backpack. But he can't really fix anything. He can't really change anything. He can't really transform someone's soul. Maybe we need a fresh new vision of Jesus. And that means seeing him in this overpowering, overwhelming way and taking him seriously. Yes, as the one who very deeply loves you. He weeps at the tomb of Lazarus and he calls all who are weary, come unto me. And I will give you rest. I'm gentle and lowly in heart. You'll find rest for your souls. But he's also the one who's gritty and tough and courageous enough to hang on a cross for me and for you. To die for our sins and more. To be a conquering hero who conquers death itself, risen from the grave. He's reigning and he's coming back. And for John, this fresh new vision of Jesus He's at the age of probably 90-something, was basically terrifying. And he's like, oh, I'm dead. I'm dead. Happy Easter, John. But Jesus comes to him. He laid his right hand on me and said, don't be afraid. And this is what I love by, about Jesus. So powerful, so glorious. And yet he can reach out 
in kindness and gentleness, put his right hand on John and says, don't be afraid. And that's what he does all the time. That's what he does for you and for me. He says, don't be afraid. He's not only overpowering, he's also, he's reassuring. And so we need to understand he's got a purpose in this. Understand him purposefully. He's saying with his right hand on him, I'm on your side. I'm with you. I'm for you. I don't know about any of you, but if you think back to your grade school or your middle school days, there's probably a kid in your class, and he was a big guy. I mean, he was a man among boys. We had a guy like that in our class. I'll call him John Kale. I'll call him that because that was his name. And um, John was just massive. He, he was a head taller than all the rest of us. And we looked up to him, admired him, respected him, mostly feared him. We, John Kale had a nickname. You know what his nickname was? Kale the Whale. This was not making fun of John Kale. You did not do that. This was a term of respect and fear. A whale comes through and you're dead. So, but it was, you always wanted John Kale on your team when you're picking up sides, you know, football or something. You just hand it to John Kale. He takes it and just plows through everything. There's nothing that can stop him. You want John Kale on your side. You want Jesus on your side. And he is. He puts out his right hand. And he says, don't be afraid. Now, there are all kinds of ways to say don't be afraid. There's, a, there's the army drill sergeant who gets into your face and says, suck it up, buttercup. And then there's the father who tenderly says, hush, little baby, don't say a word. Papa gonna buy you a mockingbird. And guess what? Jesus can be all that spectrum. He knows just what we need, just when we need it. What he's saying to John and to us is, I got you. I got you. You're going to be okay. And because I got you, you got this. Whatever this is in your life right now, this problem, this trial, this difficulty, this heartache, this loss, this challenge, I got you. And because I got you, you got this. You see, the world offers it so, so much, but they can't deliver. You know, it'll either be that the world takes your life from you or Jesus takes your life from you. But the good news is that Jesus gives you new life in return and the world cannot give that to you. The right hand is given to him. The right hand, when the, when the leader puts the right hand on you, it's a hand of commissioning. It's not just a comfort, it's a commissioning. You're being set for a purpose. This is not the Walmart a manager or the parks and rec director or the CEO of Wells Fargo or a governor or a president or a prime minister. This is the king of the universe giving a commission to John. And so now he tells 90-something geriatric John, John boy, I got one more mission for you. And it's going to be glorious. You're going to write it all down. And we get it into the book of Revelation. You got one more important mission for you. I ask you today on Easter, do you believe that Jesus has a purpose for you? Do you believe that he has, he can stretch out his hand upon your life and say, don't be afraid and commission you to something greater. His purpose for you and for me is to save you, 
to forgive you, to transform you, and to send you out to love your neighbor, to make a difference in every single day of your life, to become more and more like Jesus. And you find, follow him closely and you will discover more and more of what that purpose is in your life. So we begin to understand him, the purpose. We, now is not, he says, don't be afraid. Hear it in 2022. Today is not the day for fear. Today is the day for purpose, to purposefully move forward. Jesus goes on. He says, I am the first and the last. I'm the living one. Jesus is absolutely audacious this Easter morning. I am the first and I am the last. I am the living one. He comes tearing down to John in that cave at Patmos like a bat out of heaven. He said, I had the first word at creation and I will have the last word in eternity. I'm not like the rest of the dead idols and false gods and pathetic imaginations of mere human beings. I'm not a product of a marketing campaign or a political party or a GoFundMe effort. I'm God. I'm alive and well. I'm first. I'm last. Here's what we learn. He alone is the living God and we worship him supremely. Question on this Easter. Is he your first and your last? Does he have it all? Is he the first and last to you? Is he that big? You know, John ended his gospel with these words. John, who wrote Revelation, also wrote the gospel of John. And he ended his gospel recounting all the amazing things Jesus had done with these words. And there are also many other things that Jesus did, which if every one of them were written down, I suppose not even the world itself could contain the books that would be written. I just want you to ponder that for a moment. How amazing of a life you must have lived for those three years to have that statement said of you. And folks, this was stated and written down before John got this vision. Can you imagine now what would be written? In the sports world, there are lots of debates over who's the goat, right? Greatest of all time, right? So, question, is it LeBron or is it Michael? Shout it out. All right, that's easy. Okay, is it Michael or is it Brady? Is it Brady, is it Michael, is it Serena? I don't know, we're never gonna be able to solve that one. That's for an or game another week, all right? But we need a whole new vision of Jesus that says he is the greatest of all time. He is the GOAT. Worthy of giving our lives to every single day of the week. Was he raised from the dead? Yes or no. And if he was, if he really did conquer death, then he's worthy of my all. To worship him supremely. The real Jesus. He goes on. I was dead. But look, I am alive forever and ever. Note this very carefully. I was dead. D-E-A-D. Dead. It's not sort of dead. It's not kind of dead. It's dead. Period. Actually, comma. Okay. Because when the Romans crucified you, you died. No one survives a Roman crucifixion. Still, the most horrifying, most painful, most excruciating form of execution ever devised in human history. And when you're crucified, you died. He said, I was dead. Comma. But look, 
I am alive forever and ever. Can we cheer for that right now? Come on now. Yeah. Here's the principle. He has conquered death so we can trust him entirely. He's conquered every conceivable thing we can imagine. He says, I was dead, but he overcame death, the ultimate enemy. Look, I'm alive, not just for a while, forever and ever. Because here's the thing, guys. You can go to Buddha's tomb, his body is there. You can go to Confucius's tomb, his body is there. You can go to Lenin's tomb, his body is there. You can go to Muhammad's tomb, his body is there. But you can't find Jesus in his tomb because he's not there. He's risen from the dead and his tomb is empty. Only Jesus Christ rose from the dead, never to die again. There have been many resuscitations, temporarily. But eventually, everybody dies. But there is only one resurrection, never to die again. And the beauty of it is this. At the last day, all of us who trust in him also experience that resurrection to everlasting life, never to die again. And then Jesus says, and I hold the keys of death and Hades. I hold the keys. Write this down. He holds the keys to overcome everything. And so we can approach life fearlessly. Now, as a parent, I have had the privilege of teaching all three of my kids how to drive. It was a bit terrifying, but I survived. Anybody else here teach your kids how to drive? Okay, yeah. And while I'm in that process and while they're still at home, I hold the keys to the car. They can't just take my car whenever they want because it's my car and I hold the keys, right? But eventually there came a day when they got their own cars and they got their own keys and I didn't hold the keys anymore, right? Imagine for a moment, if you will, it's 50 years from now, 50 years from now. My kids will be much older. My wife, the awesome Ruth Steef, will be gone and I will be 111 years old. And at that point, they're not going to let me have the keys anymore, right? But Jesus says, I hold the keys of death and Hades. Hades is the grave. Hades is the realm of the dead. He says, I've conquered them. I hold the keys. Nobody else is in control of them. I own them. I've conquered them entirely. And folks, we live in a world lacking any kind of confidence about knowing the truth or even if there is such thing as a truth and people are totally uncertain about the relative claims of all the different worldviews and beliefs and leaders and religions Jesus is not unsure of himself at all he's supremely confident I hold the keys of death and Hades and our ultimate enemies are death and the grave and we can't overcome them by ourselves but who can? When you come to trust in Jesus, you can. You can know and you can live life fearlessly. You don't have to fear death. Oh, dying is unpleasant. It's hard. It's sorrowful. I've been at the bedside of people who have passed to the other side. It's hard. But death doesn't, if they know Jesus, death doesn't ultimately destroy them. Because Jesus says, I'm the resurrection. Because Jesus holds the key. He opens the door to eternal life and no one, no power, no enemy, no situation can close that door. 
He has opened the door. The question for you today as you walk through that, have you walked through that door? Have you trusted in Jesus? Maybe this Easter is the day for you to finally put the stake in the ground to live fearlessly from this day forth. The Apostle Paul said it this way. This is the message of faith that we proclaim. If you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. You truly confess and say, yes, this is what I now believe. Jesus is Lord. He is who he claims to be. He did die on the cross for my sins. He was raised from the dead. And you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. You will be saved, rescued, forgiven, and have eternity secure. Do you believe that? Because if you do, one believes with the heart resulting in righteousness. God declares you not guilty. And one confesses with the mouth resulting in salvation. You're rescued and given everlasting life. A new hope in this life. And the power of the Holy Spirit. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. This doesn't have to be emotional. It just has to be real. It has to be authentic. That you say, I believe in my heart, God raised him from the dead. And I say, Jesus is Lord. Last word. Therefore, write what you have seen, John. What is and what will take place after this. Last principle. He then sends John and us on a mission and we walk forward expectantly. And so God, he says, I'm not done with you. I got a purpose for you. Now I got something for you to do. I'm gonna write you to write this down. And we're gonna look at what he wrote down the rest of the book of Revelation in the weeks to come. It's gonna be great. But guys, Easter is a day for all of us to meet Jesus again. Maybe you met Jesus in your childhood and he was just a, a figure on a flannel graph, felt bored. And maybe today you meet Jesus in all of his glory. Maybe you met Jesus back in a university classroom and he was introduced to you as somebody who was just a great teacher, a great prophet, but not the son of God, not living and reigning today. Maybe you met Jesus through a hypocritical Christian who totally turned you off to Jesus and all things spiritual, but now you meet the real Jesus today. Maybe you met Jesus in a profound way some time back, but you need a fresh vision of Jesus. Maybe you met Jesus today again as you worshiped and celebrated his resurrection. No matter what, it's a good day. It's Easter. It's a day to meet Jesus in a fresh new way, to meet him again. Now, here's what I want to tell you. We got something for you as you leave. As you leave on the boards, as you walk out the doors, you're going to see these. He holds the keys of death and Hades, and there's a little key here, all right? And we want you to take that key with you. You put it on a prominent space, on your computer monitor, on your rear view mirror, around your neck, whatever you want. But it's a reminder, Jesus holds the keys. He is the key. That, yes. And today, if, if everybody could take out their community card real quick, and I know some of you don't usually respond to this because you're regulars or whatever, but we really want you to today, all right? Take this out, and on my response this Easter, you put your name, your name, tear it off, your name, and then I want you to give a name to your key. Give your key a one-word name, like this is my Easter key, this is my resurrection key, this is my Jesus key, this is my victory key, this is my mission key, this is my trust key, this is my courage key. And for those of you rebels who say, I can't limit it to one word, okay, fine. This is my death in Hades key. But write it down and, rem and tell us this is what you took your takeaway from this Easter. 
And guys, um, if today for the first time in your life you stepped over that line of faith and you said, I've come to trust in Jesus for the first time, would you do me a favor? And that word key on your card, would you circle that word a few times? Let us know that today you trusted in Jesus for the first time. We'd love to celebrate and rejoice with you. All right, our worship team's coming out now. One time a while back, I got in my car, put the key in the ignition, wouldn't move, wouldn't start, wouldn't go anywhere. I asked like, what, what's the deal? And I kept trying, I kept trying, I kept trying. Wouldn't work. Finally, I pulled the key out. I had the wrong key. A lot of people, that's, that's the problem in their life. They're just trying to get going and they're using the wrong key. Father in heaven, thank you that Jesus, you sent Jesus. He is the key. He holds the keys. Give us a new vision, a fresh vision. Send everyone out here today with a fresh vision of Jesus Christ, the risen, reigning, and soon coming King. He is risen, just as he said. And all God's people agreed and said, amen.